On this episode of the podcast, we discuss The Dark Tower. Live in Brooklyn, New York! Everyone and welcome to the Flop House. <laughs> I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalin. And I'm Hallie Hagland. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. There's an extra person here, Hallie. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed at her, not everyone else. Uh, that was the that was the joke. Oh, that's a, we went over this, dude. <laughs> not to make bad jokes, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we wait. When do yeah? When do we go over the don't make now bad jokes can. rule? So. So I said Hallie's name three times in a mirror, and she appeared. It only works if you've already arranged for Hallie to meet you <laughs> at the place where you are. Uh, so, guys, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Yeah. And on this episode, we watched The Dark Tower, which we explained to you right before the music played. <laughs> and that takes you to now. Yep, yeah. okay. That's, uh, yeah, so if you're fun. a time traveler, you're all caught up. Wait, hold on. And now... This week's exciting episode of The Flophouse <laughs> is brought to you by Lucky Gold Strikes. Gold. <laughs> oh, Lucky Strikes. That's a radio show? Yeah. I was going to do one it's of my... It's a bowling radio show. <laughs> yeah. One of, one... yeah, that's right. <laughs> Legally different from the other Lucky Strikes. <laughs> the, uh, I was uh, reminiscing with someone recently about a thing that you don't see much on TV anymore, which is... Bumpers for TV shows that then announce the sponsors, and my favorite of those was on the X Files. The guy had to do a quick change in tone because he had to say, "The X Files is brought to you by Rolled Gold Pretzels," <laughs> <laughs> because the X Files has to sound creepy, but Rolled Gold Pretzels doesn't want to sound creepy. <laughs> no, you don't want to be I like. I can't even believe that it happened so recently. I mean, not that, like the X Files wasn't recently, but that shocks me that it was even that recently that they were still doing it. they're still doing this? Hey, you know, that was longer ago than you think it was, Allie. You're older than you think. And then my gray (laughs) hair just appears. (laughs) (laughs) Allie is sporting a great rogue-style gray streak in her hair. It's all natural, girls. (laughs) So, Dan, The Dark Tower, what's that? Like a, okay. Like, so, a, like, what a, do we do? like a TV so show? What's Stephen King wrote, read a poem once <laughs> called Child Rolling to the Dark Tower Came or something like that. And uh, he was like, hey, that sounds cool. Let me write seven books about this. Uh-huh. And then he, they made a movie based on all seven of them, right? <laughs> kind what, of. What I like is he did, he did with, a, with a poem what they do with, Star Wars action figures where they're like, <laughs> yeah. we got to tell the story of everyone involved in this. <laughs> like, what's this Dark Tower about? Who's rolling? What's going on? Who's that guy in the background? Maybe he should have a story. Spin him off. Come on. What's Nyan story? I mean, I do want to know what Nyan story is. Yeah. Yeah. 
you, you happen to hit on one of the few Star Wars aliens where I'm like, yeah, give me a spinoff on that guy. Where's I mean, my Salacious Crumb movie? <laughs> Where's my Wanda Baby movie? How do you get so Salacious? Movie? Yeah, how do you get so Salacious? Is he... So any, I think we've covered this in podcast before. Is he a ri- related to R. Crumb or not? <laughs> they have a similar interest in, you know, larger folk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, do you remember that uh, R. Crumb uh, Job of the Hunt comic strip he drew? <laughs> yeah. It was really sexy. It was really too much. So, Hallie, you love fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing that you would have enjoyed more than watching this movie, right? I texted Dan and I was like, I'm making a strict rom-com policy <laughs> every time I participate in these. Or horror movies. You like horror oh, movies. Oh, yeah, I opened it up to horror movies. But not like sci-fi horror movies. <laughs> like actual people are getting murdered and, <laughs> and there's romantic tension. you know. But well, between the people and the murderer or... <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> uh, now, Dan, I've never read these Dark Tower books. You mm-hmm. have. Uh, do you think that for a seven-book epic series, I have to assume, I'm guessing sprawling with dozens or if not hundreds of characters, do you think a uh, one-hour and 30-minute film <laughs> adequately captured the scope of the story of this epic tale? Uh, it was pretty good at getting, like, I don't know, like, half of the first book and then like a few pages of the last three books like i, I feel like that was a, sort of what they were going for maybe <laughs> like, a, like a greatest hits yeah that's right well, if it felt like the movie was made by a kid who had a book report the next day in the form of a movie and it's like i only got like halfway through the first book i'll just read the last page of the last book and i'll make the movie out of that Dan, should we talk to people about what happened in this movie in case yeah, they haven't? Sure. In case, like, like most of the world, they haven't seen it. So, the Dark Tower starts, fittingly enough, with darkness. A black screen, and there's text on the screen. <laughs> that tells which us. Which is appropriate because it's based on a book, exactly. which is text on a page. <laughs> on a dark page. It's all printed on black pages with white lettering. <laughs> Very it's hard really to... like it, they spent a fortune in ink doing it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but it had to be that way. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> the text on screen tells us that there's a tower that stands at the center of the universe and protects the universe from darkness. The mind of a child can bring it down. Now, don't <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. That same concept will be Wait, mentioned to you several mo- more Wait. times throughout the film. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All of that. I mean, it's literally the first thing you see in the movie. So, which cat were you petting <laughs> instead of watching the movie? Yeah. I don't know. Literally, I was like, why, why are all these kids involved? <laughs> Even <laughs> till you, this moment. Did you do the thing I do sometimes where I start the movie and then I'm like, hmm, it's time to go pop some popcorn? <laughs> and I come back and I'm like, Ben Kingsley, what's he doing here? <laughs> What's the, what's in, the part, in your apartment? What's the part of the movie yeah, where that's they're... That's my popcorn, Ben Kingsley. Guys, Ben Kingsley it, it sublet space from Hallie in her apartment. We all know this. Guys, uh, when you're watching office, a movie... Office space. <laughs> what's, what's, the part, what's the part of the movie that you think is least likely to have necessary information? For the rest of the film, certainly the opening is not going to have that information. I don't even know if you're joking. (laughs) 
I like the idea. I like to think that you pressed play and the, the words play came up on screen and you were like, seen it. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back when this part's over. No, literally I pressed Ju- play and then I started texting Dan like, fuck this. <laughs> Hallie just watched the finale of The Americans. She's like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> so guys, the text is on the screen. Now, this is not the worst way the movie could have started. The worst way it could have started is if the teenage main character had told us that information via voiceover, perhaps referring to it as a prophecy or something his mama once told him. (laughs) So that doesn't happen. But we see there's this creepy place where Matthew McConaughey is keeping a bunch of kids. It looks kind of like, I don't know, like a a boarding school or something. Uh, And when it comes to a certain time, you got to pick a kid, strap him into a clockwork orange chair, and force a laser beam out of his head to try to knock down a tower. (laughs) And that's called puberty. (laughs) So that's, yeah, it's all an elaborate puberty metaphor. That's right. So so in this case, Matthew McConaughey is what, your hormones? I don't know. It's just, but you know, it's like normal life. You ejaculate brain power. (laughs) I think I, I think I know why nobody wants to share an office with you at work, Dan. Now I like to think you. Now, now I think you, you like to you like to go like here's an idea and then you just ejaculate <laughs> straight from the old think box. <laughs> okay, it turns out this tower that they knocked down it wasn't real. It's just a dream this kid Jake is having. Jake's a truck. There was an earthquake. Wait, earthquake. There's an earthquake while he was. It's a cake made out of soil and there's worms in it. It's very <laughs> good for great. you. Yeah. Uh, there was an earthquake in the night. He slept through it, but he's a troubled kid. He really misses his dad, who is a dead firefighter, uh, and he does a lot of. I didn't like nothing. Nothing, this audience, nothing a Brooklyn audience finds funnier than dead firefighters, apparently. <laughs> What I like is the audience reacted to that as if I was making a joke. Because <laughs> I was like, this is going to get him. I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> yeah. And he's always drawing stuff with, from, the, from the stuff we saw in the beginning. He's always drawing these crazy fantasy pictures. And it's like, I mean, come on. Who is this guy? One of the Hildebrand brothers? Like, what's going on here? You know? This is Boris Vallejo all of a sudden? What's going on? How come, how come the kids in these movies... <laughs> Wayne Barlow walk into this movie? The, the, these kids that get visions in these movies... How come they're all artistically talented? Like, what if they went to a kid and everyone's like, I don't know what you're doing. Is that a, is that person? Is that, yeah. Just like stick figures. Like, yeah. I, I had a vision of a dark tower and a man in black. Oh, yeah, okay, I kind of see that now, yeah. Oh, no, it's great. So this is, this is the man here. You're holding it upside down. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, you're great, kid, you're great. Anyway. Uh, he gets bullied, he gets into fights at school. His therapist thinks, you're always dreaming about darkness and fire because of this family trauma you're dealing with. No, this was a scene that actually really stuck out to me in a, scene that, in a movie that I didn't pay attention it? to at all. <laughs> no, because it just felt like very aggressive by the therapist. It's like, he wasn't listening to him, he was more just like telling him what all his thoughts meant, and I was like, this is not therapy, okay? Yeah, fire him. <laughs> You deserve better, kid. I mean, that's really the part that stood out to me. <laughs> uh, well, the part that stood out to me, strangely enough, comes up in the next scene, that the kid is wandering around the streets, specifically Broadway, just below 14th. I knew it well, because I went to school around there. So I was like, hey, I remember that like kitchen supply store. 
I used to walk by that all the time. And then I got back into the movie. Uh, he sees a guy kind of from his dream who's got weird skin, and then a crazy homeless man is like, hey, stay away, watch out. You didn't talk... Well, tell well, me. Well, you're you... Talking into the microphone, Hallie. <laughs> Hallie, take advantage of this opportunity to talk about the skin seams. The skin seams. So that's how they know that people are from this other universe. That's how he knows. Yeah, it's yeah there's, there's like, rat a... people who put fake skin on their body and there's a seam in the back of their neck. That's exactly. pretty standard. That's boilerplate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and Maddie McConaughey gets mad if you don't put your skin on. I mean, come on. Oh. <laughs> tell me another one. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, so we're checking off the boxes. He's a troubled kid, draws pictures of his dreams. Yeah. Homeless man yells some kind of warning prophecy at him. You got it. Skin seams. We're all checking off the boxes. He has another dream about Matthew McConaughey, and Matthew McConaughey's just talking kind of about the bleak emptiness of the universe to some dude right before he burns up up in fire. Uh, and as we'll learn, Matthew McConaughey's playing the villain, the man in black, a.k.a. Walter. <laughs> Which is what the hero of the movie, Idris Elba, continually refers to him as. Who's like, yeah. Walter! <laughs> Walter! The same name as the protagonist of the new Muppet film. <laughs> what if, now, that, what if it was Walter the Muppet? And I was yeah. like, I knew you were a bad guy, Walter. Yeah. You, your, your blank affect <laughs> disguised your evil... Uh, wow, what? calm down. Okay. <laughs> I hate, I hate that I character I so much. I know. He came in, he took what rightfully was Kermit's, and now everyone's pretending. And he like gets to be Jason Siegel's brother, right? I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. All right, I'm sorry. I think the freeze frame at the end of The Muppets, when it sh they throw Walter up in the air and it freeze frames, I was like, he gets the freeze frame? <laughs> Nobody likes him. And it was like that moment in Crystal Skull when Shia LaBeouf puts on Indy's hat and I wanted to walk into the screen and slap it off his head. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't get to do that. Anyway, also in this dream, he sees Idris Elba, who's playing the character of Roland, the gunslinger. Idris Elba, yep. yep, that, I guess, either there's some kind of wild animal in the audience, <laughs> or someone was just thinking about Idris Elba. <laughs> now, Idris Elba is talking to Dennis Haysbert. They're both gunslingers, I guess, and he's like, oh, no, we've lost. Uh, this is the end. Oh, no. And then they say this oath about, like, I don't shoot with my gun. I shoot with my heart or some garbage. And <laughs> Matthew McConaughey kills Dennis Haysbert. And then he's like, Roland, you're immune to my magic. And then, and then, it, and then it cuts to a shot of an old house. And, and Jake is like, I gotta, he wakes up and he goes, I got to find that old house. And, of course, he posts on the message board, where's that house.com. <laughs> To there, find where this house is. There's a moment around here where Idris Elba shoots Matthew McConaughey in the back of the head, and he and Matthew McConaughey just pulls the bullet out of the air, and it is so uninteresting. <laughs> we watched a movie a little bit ago that was like filmed in 1993 with a shoestring budget with Andrew Dice Clay in it, and that had bullet grabs that were way more exciting yeah. than this. There's a scene in the later on where Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey catches a bullet and then hurls it back really fast. And the same exact thing happens in this Andrew Dice Clay movie from 25 years ago. And in that movie, I was like, that was pretty cool. And in this one, I'm like, oh, it looks really goofy because his hand moves super fast like he's a cartoon character. Or like so, the universe turned on mo motion smoothening for some reason. <laughs> okay. This is all this. Jake's well, also, one of his murder techniques is he just goes up to people and goes, stop breathing. And then they die. And and when Matthew McConaughey and that, does, that, look, that and I've tried really that, well that doesn't work. 
And it plays really well in a movie. Like, that's a really visual way to kill someone. <laughs> Why couldn't he say, like, uh, have your head explode or something? Now, uh, Ma- now, Matthew McConaughey, he's a wizard. Be a scanner. He's an evil wizard. <laughs> and he goes up to people all the time and he tells them, like, kill each other or, like, stop breathing. Now, imagine if you will, Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> right before the director yelled, action, he was reading his credit card number to... Maybe he was buying, it's like in being John Malkovich, he's buying a set of towels. And he's just reading his credit card number, and the director said, action. And with that same enthusiasm, he just rolls into his lines. Like, that's kind of the level of energy he brings to the entire movie. His every line is like, well, I guess it's going to be a rude awakening for planet Earth. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, like, we got to knock down the tower, then I'll be king of it all. Like, it's, like he could not be less interested in his own wicked plans. <clears throat> Hallie, uh, your rebuttal? <laughs> Dallas Buyers Club. More like Dallas Sellout Club. We all mimed different things. <laughs> For the audience at home, <laughs> listening to that. Hallie, great work. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to pick up your, uh, your, your guest gift and just go now, that's okay. Your Amy for best podcast guest. <laughs> uh, okay, all of Jake's craziness, the fights at school, those dumb drawings, always... Whoop. That was a cheer for Stuart opening a beer. I thought someone got shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, 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 Hallie we, just asked for we a shot. We would protect you by plucking it out of the air and throwing it someplace else, Hallie. It's cool. So, Jake's BS is not going over well with his stepdad. His stepdad we're already... only this far into the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. No, we're going to rush through a lot of other stuff. Well, let's speed it up. <laughs> Jake's, Jake's stepdad... He's arranged for some people from a psychiatric clinic to come by and pick up Jake. And Jake's mom is like, ah, I guess so, okay. Uh, But the driver of the van from the clinic, he's got... A fucking skin seam. (laughs) It's clear. These people are from that other world where the bad guy lives. And then Jake manages to catch a glimpse of the message board on his computer and the address of that house comes up. And he goes, bathroom window, don't fail me now. And he jumps out of it. Rooftop chase, parkour, parkour, parkour. Jake loses the bad guys by, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, entering the uptown side of, I think it's the 28th Street subway station, and then exiting the downtown side of the 28th Street subway station. (laughs) Unless he ran across the tracks, Jake, you can't do that. (laughs) This is when the movie really pushed my suspension of disbelief too far. I was like, the kids have laser beams that come out of their heads and they knock over a magic tower. You got it. Portals, bad guys, so forth. Wait, hold on a second. We're supposed to believe this is a hub station? No, yeah, Elliot was on IMDb pointing this out. <laughs> uh, Dark Tower, meet the goofs page. Because I got one for you. Uh, anyway... Jake goes to this house, it's abandoned, it's got a portal in its other worlds. Uh, he's about to step through this portal when suddenly the wood of the house starts attacking him. It looks like he's a gunner until he yells, stop, and it does. He goes through the portal to kind of it's like... It's like they had a wood monster for one day and they're like, I guess we gotta use it. 
like, we need a monster for this scene. All we have are the old bleachers from the abandoned high school. <laughs> make it work. Make it. Tim Gunn was the director. Make it work. Uh, he goes to this desert world that looks kind of like the desert world from Phantasm, but not as cool. And he's like, whoa. But to be honest, it looks pretty crappy. Yeah, so he goes through a portal, I'm assuming to what, New Jersey? Is that the closest thing Yeah, the thing deserts New of New Jersey, yeah. Sure. Uh, he's in a place called Midworld now, uh, and there's all these different Still worlds. Still sounds like New Jersey to yeah. me. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Matthew McConaughey's place, his headquarters in Midworld, they're still trying out different kids to see if they've got the strong <laughs> enough laser beam to knock down these things. They say, oh, someone crossed through an old portal. McConaughey goes, send me there. Jake stumbles across Roland's the Gunfighter's campsite. He's like, you're the guy from my dream. You're that gunslinger. And Roland's like, there's no gunslingers anymore. And then I was like, oh, we're gonna do this game. Okay. Yeah. I put that life behind me. We're all gone. I'm a reluctant hero. Yeah, Andrew's always just blah. like, I'm gonna be a dick to you for a little while. This is the part where we don't, we haven't, we, we, you're, I'm Shrek and you're the donkey and we're not friends yet. <laughs> <laughs> then we're gonna become friends and then later on we'll get into an argument and we split up for a short amount of time and then we come back again because we're true friends and we save the day. Anyway, Jake, you wanna do that with me? Just like a Shrek donkey thing? <laughs> And Jake's like, gee, Mr. Shore. I remember you from The Office. And it just felt like, you remember that story? That season of The Office? <laughs> that's where you know me big, from? That's what you know me for best? Not even like Prometheus or like Pacific Rim? <laughs> gee, Willikers, I'm 15 years old. I never saw those movies. I mean, Pacific Rim's right up a 15-year-old's alley, right? <laughs> that's, well, but he wasn't 15 when it came out. And Prometheus would be great because it wouldn't have all that built-in like background, having watched Alien growing up. Like, this would be his first exposure, and he'd really like it, that's I true. think. He'd be like one of those kids where they're like, well, I saw Spaceballs before Star Wars, so that's the original to me. And he, <laughs> and he might not realize, he's like, that, that old man was really Guy Pierce in old age makeup? That's crazy. It was so believable. So I, thought they got, I thought they got Guy Pierce's dad and then just put glue all over his face. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot about Prometheus. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about how he played a concertina in that. Yeah, and he played, yeah, he played a little, one of those little maritime accordions. Little yeah. squeeze box, yeah. Are we talking about Idris Elba? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which is where Napoleon, America's sweetheart. where Napoleon was exiled to. Idris Elba. Anyway... Thank you. Thanks, guys. Wait, did you make a Napoleon joke? I didn't yeah, what's weird is I got booze from one half of the crowd <laughs> and nothing from the other yeah. half of the crowd. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, yeah, the they're... nothing was worse than the booze. <laughs> <laughs> At least it was a reaction. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're Wellington fans. Yeah. History jokes. So Roland is like, I'm not a hero anymore, but I guess let's go save the day. And they're on the hunt. The man in black... Matthew McConaughey, he goes to that old house, he finds some sort of clue or nonsense, and he takes it to the court of the Crimson King, which is the same kind of like weird Euro chic bar that bad guys hang out in every vampire. It's or basically magic where movie. like bad guys hang out and wait for Blade to show up and kill them. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, <laughs> you know, like, Udo Peters in the back, like doing coke <laughs> off of a mutant or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I, I didn't even know this was a movie. <laughs> Callie, you look baffled by something. What's going on? Well, this is a question I had while I was watching it, but I didn't look it up uh, because I just wanted to play out live on stage because it's <laughs> exciting. Uh, okay, so you know, the, like, the bar... Not bartender, but the guy who, when he goes into that place and... The bald guy. Yes. Yeah, who's kind of like the host, maitre d'. Uh, yes. Also the biggest customer. 
I don't. I, I wasn't sure hope if you we're talking about not. the same person. Isn't that character who's like the secondary character that Matthew McConaughey always goes and talks to? Isn't that the guy who was in Little Children who like jerked off in the car? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, Jackie Earl Haley. That was Jackie Earl okay. Haley. Just want yeah. to make sure. Really? Yeah. yeah. Are you sure? He's a chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> he could be everything. He was I love, a kid I love the, the idea once. that like if Hallie ever saw Jackie or Earl Haley on the street, she'd be like, Chick off guy. Yeah. <laughs> Probably on your way to the playground, huh? <laughs> I mean, it haunted me. I remember literally nothing about this movie that I watched yesterday. And I was like, except I watched Little Children like 20 years ago, probably. And I was like, This is the recommendations off-seat. portion of the podcast. Uh they're like Oh, yeah, uh, everyone there is trying on flesh masks. It's like a flesh mask warehouse. And uh, they go, oh, this is from a kid with a shine so powerful he can kill a house demon. And I'm like, okay, I guess I was supposed to be impressed by what we saw earlier. (laughs) And you know what shine is? Come on, it's Stephen King stuff. It's like all mind telepath stuff. Anyway, Roland and Jake, they're wandering through your classic fantasy swamp, and there's an ancient rundown theme park. And he's like, oh, there's a rundown theme park over there. And he's always like, we don't know what it is. It's ancient. He's like, well, it's the theme park. And I was like... I can't wait to see how this like abandoned roller coaster plays into like a kick-ass action scene. No, yeah. doesn't. You're like, you're like, when do we get to the fireworks factory? Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, this is not a William Goldman watching the Big Lebowski and wondering when they're going to get to the bowling tournament thing. <laughs> we are in a fantasy adventure movie. We see an abandoned roller coaster. I am well within my rights to be like, well, that's something they're going to do something with. <laughs> It wasn't just that they happened to be filming in the forest next door to the closed down action park. Even the movie Clifford had a roller coaster scene. <laughs> so and You say and, even the movie Clifford. Even the movie Clifford. As if that was terrible in some way. <laughs> when we all know that Clifford, of course, Is, was the pinnacle of of filmmakers' prowess. Uh-huh. Yep. Who was the filmmaker, Dan? Um uh, I, uh, I'd like to imagine that Charles Grodin directed himself <laughs> under a pseudonym. Garls Troden. <laughs> okay, so Roland's all, he's like a master forester. He's like, don't eat that. Don't make a sound. Eat this rabbit. Do that. And they become friends. Meanwhile, the man in black, he meets up with those two people from the psychiatric clinic at a burger stand. They give him the information about Jake. He says, kill each other. And then he leaves. And he's like, he tells the people he's walking out, he goes, enjoy the show, folks. And it's like, <laughs> is he, like, how much, how much, like, how many sedatives did he take right before the shot? Like, it's like, he's like, man, I was up all night driving this long haul truck across the country. And now I'm wired, but I gotta get to sleep. Let me just pop a couple sleeping pills. Matt, you're needed on set. Oh boy, oh. Yeah, do you think, do you think after he said that, he's like, nailed it, that's gonna be in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Roland and Jack, Jake are still, they're really best buds. Roland explains that there's a tower that keeps reality safe. Walter's trying to destroy it to make a lot of monsters come in the world, and he'll be the king of the monsters. And I was like, one, there's one king of the monsters. His name's Gojira. But anyway, <laughs> they... Heard of him? Heard of him, anybody? Anyway, so, uh, but it's also like, yeah, the text told me that. I don't know, come on, guys. But I guess that was for Hallie. That the director of the film was like, but what if Hallie doesn't know? I missed that, too. <laughs> oh. uh, that night... A monster tempts Jake into the forest in the form of his late dad. It turns out 
this kind of, to be this kind of goopy, you know, sharp monster that is the kind of thing that'll come through the walls when the tower goes down. And Roland's like, bam, 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 shooting him with his gun, bam, bam, bam. And then the monster comes back again and he goes, bam, 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 shoots it with his gun, monster's dead. And it was, you know, it goes on a little bit longer than that, but I was like, oh, okay, so it's really, he really just shoots stuff with that gun, huh? Like, it's really just a gun. He's that, a and, gunslingers. And we learn later, the... we learn later that that gun was forged from the metal of Excalibur. Oh. Yeah. Which seems crazy. <laughs> that seems nuts. <laughs> it yeah. is bullshit. Somebody audience audience said that's bullshit. Yeah, it yeah, is, dude. Complete. Well, you don't have to say it again. We heard it. We amplified it. It's okay. <laughs> Noted, addressed, and answered. Okay, let's go. Uh, Matthew Mahoney goes to Jake's parents' apartment. He kills both of them. He sees all the drawings, and he's like, hey, it's a pretty good likeness. And the thing, <laughs> and it is this in this scene that the movie had what was, for me, the scariest moment. They walk into the apartment, Jake's stepmom and his dad, and they're like, oh, I hope Jake's loving his time at the psychiatric clinic. You know, they, they haven't called, <laughs> so I assume they just got there and everything turned out fine. And uh, Matthew McConaughey is in the kitchen, apron on, cooking himself up some chicken. <laughs> and he's, that's not the scary part. He says, he says hope, you, hope you don't mind. We don't have chicken in the world I'm from. And I was like, no, 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 no. What kind of nightmare world? And from that moment on, Matthew McConaughey was the hero of the movie because it's like, if I'm in a world without chicken, knock that fucking tower down. Bring in the darkness. That world doesn't deserve to live. No chicken. What I like is that he was cooking that chicken while wearing an apron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, he might be the walking man, the embodiment of all evil, but he doesn't want to get his clothes all screwed up. I mean, come on. No, no magic is going to get those stains yeah. out. <laughs> Hallie? He's the man in black. He's known for his outfit. He can't be floppy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's literally his name. Do you, th do you think he showed up and he's like, well, they do have a black apron. <laughs> I mean, it would be dumb for me not to use it. <laughs> I actually remember this scene, though. Like, all of the plot points, no, but I was like, chicken, yes. <laughs> now, the implication here is that Matthew McConaughey got to the apartment, went, boo boo oh, no one's here. I guess I'll just check the fridge, see what's in there. <laughs> and he's just flipping, they're like, what can I do with this stuff? Real, real, yeah, real top chef challenge I got on my hands here, at, okay. At see. this point, he's basically a bored babysitter who's like, <laughs> yeah. well, they said I could have anything in the, the fridge, so. Uh. He's like, it's, it's Thursday, and there's like four blue aprons here. I don't think they're going to have time to make them all. <laughs> don't have time to make them all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm probably going to kill them in a second, so. Uh. So Jake's parents, they're dead now. Meanwhile, Jake and Roland are wandering. They wander into a shanty town that happens to have a portal. And just to, just to describe the rich, epic fantasy world <laughs> that we've been in, so far we've seen kind of a pebbly desert, a kind of dim swamp, and then this hobo jungle. And that's kind of the extent of Midworld, which I guess is what, like, the world of magic and, and wonderment, and I don't know what. Now, Stuart and Dan, you've, you've read some of these books. And uh -huh. Dan, you read all of them. Uh, uh, is it supposed to be this is like the world has fallen under Walter's evil and that's why it's so crappy? Uh, I can't remember a lot of it because I read like half of them like a long time ago and then two of them this year. But there's like, yeah, there's like that's weird radiation. Part, that part is weirder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dan's life's weirder than a book, everybody. <laughs> the, no, like, <laughs> Sorry. someone went, aw. 
Probably it's weirder than some books. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's right. I would say, I would say, okay, the frog and toad stories. Okay, it's weird. They're a frog and a toad that wear clothes and talk in at, in at least one story, bake cookies and cakes, which means they have a tiny oven. How do they fuel it? I don't know. Twigs? I would say Dan's life is a little weirder than those books. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Mid Midworld is sort of this thing where like all these stories get um, that are, exist in our world kind of have bled over from Midworld, like Wizard of Oz, Harry Potter, like that's like it's, all kind it's of like if you had stew. to make a, it's like if you had to make a place out of the inside of Stephen King's brain. Yeah. Oh, okay, I got it. Okay, so that's why. It's so everyone drives the, like hot rods yeah, and speaks in crazy gibberish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Slang that never existed. Exactly. All the black characters are a little uncomfortable. <laughs> and, and there's always one sex scene where you're like, yeah, this is not your forte. <laughs> <laughs> Have so, you done this before, Stephen? <laughs> yeah. So they go to the shanty town. It's got a portal. There's also a seer there. And the seer says, oh, Jake, you've got, the, you've got the, super shine. You've got amazing psychic powers. The seer named, like, Aura or yeah, something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, or, or Aura. Or, or, yeah, <laughs> the seer, whose name is Psychomind. <laughs> <laughs> so the fastest way to get to Walter's headquarters, it's like all the way on the other side of Midworld. Just pop in a teleportal portal to Earth, then pop back into that one to Midworld. So that's what they're going to do. Meanwhile, we learn a little bit about Roland's backstory. He was a noble gunslinger, but he's been poisoned by his desire for revenge because he wants to kill the man in black. Now, here's something that I never fully understood. The man in black is an evil wizard who wants to destroy the universe. Uh -huh. And everyone acts like killing him for revenge would really fuck up saving the universe. But it seems like that is the one thing he has to do. And that his motive really shouldn't have that much to do with like, does it. Is it like if he kills him, but he well, does it for revenge, not to save people, God will be like, uh-uh, do over. <laughs> Yeah, this makes a little more sense in the books where, like, Randall Flagg is kind of like this minor character almost. Like, he's just like, oh, you know, he's, like, evil, but he's not the most evil. And the important thing is that he makes it to the Dark Tower and blah, 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 blah. No one cares because it has nothing to do with anything. And I'm just boring everyone at <laughs> this point. Dan's reading the back of the book jacket. <laughs> yeah, no, From that's the mind like, of Stephen, horror master Stephen like, King, blah, Stephen blah, blah, King. no one cares. <laughs> like, Stephen King got really depressed for writing the Dark Tower. I was like, blah, 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 no one cares what's I mean, going on if you look on the back of a hardcover Stephen King book it's just a big picture of his face like, <laughs> they don't even bother to tell you what the book's about <laughs> and you're like huh oh okay <laughs> and then you pick up you pick up a Dean Koontz book and you turn around to his picture and you're like not as scary I'm sorry <laughs> you're trying Dean I apologize you know it's just not maybe like maybe killing the man in black is kind of like the way uh, it's kind of like Christianity the way you can eat keep a talking whoa <laughs> The way that you can satisfy your natural urges by eating a pizza, but only for sustenance, not because it's delicious. Oh, I guess. Okay. Wait, I kept a PG. How is that like Christianity? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know now. I confused myself. I think it's in. Uh, I think it's in. Uh, I think it's in. Uh, in. Uh, I think it's in Peter's letter to Papa John. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Just keep moving. Okay, I don't know. 
Someone yelled something, and I, for a second I was like, was that, did the movie just happen? I don't know. Okay, so they're all like, he's not a gunslinger anymore. And Jake's like, no, he's still a gunslinger. And I was like, I don't care if he technically meets the requirements of a gunslinger anymore. Walter sends some trackers to attack the village, and they're basically like, what, Nazgul they dog like men. Orcs, yeah. yeah, they're like orcs or some, some nonsense. And Roland... <laughs> Hallie just made the most dismissive gesture <laughs> when orcs came up. Uh, yeah. yeah, Hallie, what is it about orcs that you think is not important? None of it. The existence of Star Wars. <laughs> and Lord of the Rings. I guess Star Wars invalidates orcs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that there. There is no way for me to respond to that that is not in some way mansplaining. So I'm just going to I'm just going to say it's yes, my I agree. Time. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Roland fights back but in kind of the laziest way possible. He just kind of stumbles around the shanty town and if he bumps into a dog man, he shoots them. And meanwhile, they're like picking up kids to see if they're Jake and sniffing them and throwing them in the air, and he's just kind of like stumbling around and a tracker takes Jake and Roland, that's when he gets his act together and he uses his amazing daredevil senses to hear all the little things going on around him so he knows to shoot in that direction. And his bullet hits the tracker right in the back of the head. And it's kind of the one time we see him do like a fancy thing with a gun other well, than load it really fast. Wait, uh, do we talk about the scene that I remember? <laughs> I, I don't know how he did. Uh, yeah, only you have the answer to that. <laughs> Which was when he taught him to shoot. No, we, have, we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, okay. That hasn't happened yet. We'll get there. Anyway, Jake and Roland are like, we gotta get this guy. So they go through the portal to Earth. They end up in a restaurant kitchen. This movie loves kitchens. This is when the movie turns into last action hero. Yes, because it's like, Roland, you're hurt. We gotta get you to a hospital. Uh-oh. This man from hospital. Midworld hospital. is good. So you have, you have medicines here of many, of many interesting kinds. Here is a gold coin for your effort. And they go, they go, you have all these diseases. They name three different types of hepatitis that he has. Wait, I have a question. We're all no, it wasn't three. It was like, you have hepatitis A, B, C, E, D, G, Z, Guys. F. And like, look, I'll just... Our... <laughs> Stuart just got up from the table to, to lay down some not law. To, not to get on the high horse or anything, but you know this is a fantasy movie when a strange gunslinger from another world has five doctors show up and see him in the hospital. Well, That's no. crazy. Maybe he has insurance, Stuart. We don't know. He just gave them his uh, <laughs> mid-world health card. Stuart, that was your searing indictment of the healthcare system. I'm Dan, glad... when I see a problem happening, I just got to say something. Yeah. I'm just glad Stuart didn't go off on a rant here. Call okay. me like a modern-day gunslinger. <laughs> this is this and the next scene. Where they're on a bus, and Idris Elba drinks soda for the first time and yells at some kind of like, some, some, you know, girls who are dressed a little, you know, showily. Oh, that was... He no, goes, he goes, you have forgotten the faces of your father. <laughs> they they're like, hey, they're can we join the party? They're, they're like, can we join the party? And he goes, you've forgotten the faces of your fathers. <laughs> he goes, what is this I'm drinking? Sugar? Mm. And like, these are the two best scenes in the movie. <laughs> it's like, I could have watched a home, and it's the oldest story in the book. He's like, like Last Action Hero, or like Beastmaster 2, Encino or any of that stuff. Man. Encino Man, he's like... He, or other blast from the blast past, from the past yeah. or or uh, George of the Jungle, of the any number of Brendan Fraser movies. <laughs> First, uh, like with honors, uh, gods and monsters, <laughs> yeah, yeah. school uh, what, ties, uh, school ties uh, yeah. yeah, the the uh, the new show Trust. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. The Affair. <laughs> Wait, oh yeah, he's right, in that yeah, yeah. Later seasons of The Affair. Yeah, yeah. 
It's, it's just like, oh, I'm, a, I'm this kind of fantasy character, now I'm in real life, and I don't get it. They, which is, usually I'm not a huge fan of those. I'm not a huge fan of the fish-out-of-water comedy, unless this guy is named Dundee, and maybe he's half-crocodile. <laughs> I think you may have misunderstood those movies, Elliot. I'm just like, the thing about it is like, you can't, it's hard to pay attention to those movies, because you're like, how did his dad do it with a crocodile? <laughs> or was his dad the crocodile? It's hard, and so those, but those are the best scenes in the movie. So it's like, oh, I'm ready for them to spend some time on Earth. Well, don't get too ready because they don't spend that much time on Earth. They go to, they go to his, they they see the homeless guy who gave him the prophecy earlier, and they learn where the bad guy's hideout is. Instead of going there, they go to Jake's apartment. And they find what's left of his mom and dad. Oh Which no, is, stormtroopers killed him. The ah. thing that's the thing that's kind of <laughs> nice about it is you see that Matthew McConaughey has burned his mom up to a little crisp. Uh, and he freaks out, but you also see on the wall that Matthew McConaughey's left a message that even though he's a powerful wizard, he is not skilled in artwork. <laughs> because the smiley face he draws is shitty. Uh-oh! <laughs> he, is, he, is, he is a master wizard. He is the black sorcerer of evil at the center of the universe. As a tagger, not great. Like, I mean, maybe his medium isn't burned up mom. I don't know. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. It's very hard to work with. It's very unforgiving. Yeah. yeah. So where else are they going? So this is when uh, Jake think uh, uh, Roland teaches Jake how to shoot and teaches him the gunslinger's credo. And uh, Hallie, you wanted to say something about the scene that you remembered? <laughs> Hallie squints her eyes. It was weird that they said it to the song "Walk Like a Man." <laughs> <laughs> And then they started singing along to it and making a pizza at the same time. <laughs> it was actually the scene of Stand By Me where they're like, lollipop, lollipop. <laughs> Another it, Stephen it, King it's story. Stephen King themes, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, uh, he was like, I shoot with the heart of my father. I don't shoot with my <laughs> eyes or something. If I've done, if I do such and such, I've forgotten the face of my father. I don't aim with my... Uh, hand, I am with my eyes. I don't shoot with my gun. I shoot with my heart. That kind I of shoot stuff. with the heart of my father, I thought they said. I don't think, maybe. <laughs> nope. I don't remember. I, I think I think all of it is like, if you don't do this, you've forgotten the face of your father. Look, Hallie, we've established time and time again that you remember the movie better than me, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna <laughs> sit back and say yes. Okay, so I think he does. I maybe. mean, I have times of serious lucidity when all of you guys have forgotten. <laughs> so, but yeah. So if, so Honestly, I don't think Matthew McConaughey was wearing an apron in that scene when they were riffing. I'm serious. <laughs> we're gonna have to check the this tape. is this is like this is like Berenstein Berenstein. I mean yeah. right now this is I mean it's Berenstein Berenstein. There never yeah. was a Berenstein. <laughs> Why well, wasn't there, Elliot? Maybe there should have been. I, and the name was the people who made it, and, I, and they're not Jewish, which is why it's not Berenstein or Berenstein. That's what I'm saying. Why couldn't a Jewish family make a bear family books? Dan, now you're being naive <laughs> about the society we live in today. So, Hallie, I want you to imagine you're in this situation. Idris Elba is teaching you how to shoot with a magic gun, yep. and he's teaching you the gunslinger's credo. Mm -hmm. How would you handle that? Are you ready for a situation like that? Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. Okay, they go, where else are you going to go to? Go to a Chinatown hunting store. One of, oh, this wait was a minute. This was a controversial scene, I thought. <laughs> I mean, it was, I was like, I had no idea there were this many sportsman shooting stores just in the middle of New York in Chinatown. No, it was maybe, very like weird. Queens, maybe. They walked into a gun store 
and pulled out a gun and were like, give me all your guns. And I was like, <laughs> not, I, I mean, I know this is a, you know, placing this in a historical context again, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with this armed robbery of a gun store. You would think but I that, guess it's, yeah. You would think that Whatever. if this gunslinger travels from another dimension, New Jersey, as we've established, uh, to come to Keystone World Earth, uh, you would think that he would go to any other city in America than New York to get guns, I, right? I, I do like that this is one gun-based movie that seems obsessed with the idea of reloading. Like It's the one but, thing he does that's really cool is he reloads super fast. Yeah. And that's the one thing he does as a gunslinger. I was like, that's pretty neat. Is he just like flips it open, bop, 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 flips it closed because it's a six-shooter because... Yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Like, it's a gunslinger. What kind of gun are you going to sling? It's got to be a six-shooter. But, but it's, yeah, the movie is very, well, they want to make sure at all times that he is fully stocked with ammo. Because, Dan, there's a certain thing called suspension of disbelief. You'll believe the big lies if all the small truths are there. Like, you can't just walk into a, the 28th Street subway station <laughs> and then just walk out the other track on the other platform. You can't do that. And it makes you believe the part where there's, like, a goop monster that can change shape that... If you shoot it a certain amount of times, it's not dead. But if you shoot it a few more times, it is dead. Yeah. It's like how Steve Martin said that if he, he included the weird, like, uh, tennis racket fight at the beginning of Roxanne because he was like, if you put the craziest thing at the beginning of the movie, then everything else seems sensible. That's just a fact about Roxanne. <laughs> I think that's true. I was like, yeah, someone could totally have a nose that big. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think it was that big. I mean, it's a, above average size. He drank, he drank glasses of water out of his nose. <laughs> Wait, out of it? Don't you remember the movie? He like yeah. stuck his nose in a glass. Oh right. Okay. So now so that's a movie I remember. <laughs> 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 Roxanne is one of those movies that I saw many times as a kid and I was like, when I'm a grown-up, I'll get this. And I have yet, I just haven't gotten around to seeing it as a grown-up. Neither have I! <laughs> yeah! The Kids Only Roxanne Club. Hallie and Elliot, no adults allowed, we're gonna watch Roxanne. We don't really get it, but okay. Uh, anyway, in the gun store, uh, Walter shows up as an astral projection. He just taunts Roland and traps him so that Jake can get captured by his trackers. Uh, while Roland is shooting people and trying to track down Jake, Jake gets strapped into that psychic beam chair. Roland makes it to Matthew McConaughey's New York base, which seems to be some sort of ancient shopping mall. Yeah. Like, I couldn't quite figure it. It was like this little part of New York that was also Blade Runner that was also a million years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it's isolated enough that nobody will hear a million gunshots go so off. So many ricochet, the sound bouncing off of every pavement and glass surface in there. Yeah. And so anyway, Roland shoots and kills pretty much everyone in New York while Jake <laughs> is fighting back in that psychic chair. He's too strong. He's holding the portal to New York open himself with his mind. Oh, no. Roland comes through, and wouldn't you know it, it's time for that big duel we've been waiting for. Roland, the man with the gun, who's immune to magic. Walter, the man with magic, who's immune to guns. <laughs> who's, who's gonna win? And so Walter pulls out that same telekinetic, I'm gonna wave my hands and a big thing of glass flies through the air stuff we've seen 20 million times over the past few decades. Do you think decades. there's a moment in the ad campaign for like the DVD release where they're like, 
You think Thanos is a bad guy? He wants to kill half the universe. Walter wants to kill everyone. <laughs> Go see this movie, Dark Tower on DVD. That reminds me of, a, there was an ad that was in the newspaper once when uh, Incredible Hulk came out on DVD, uh-huh. and it said, just as good as Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> Said Greg. <laughs> In the Marvel marketing department. I was, I was like, oh, come on. That's not a winning sales slogan. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of, there's some fancy fighting, and uh, Roland gets a girder dropped on him. There's the part, as we mentioned, Matthew McConaughey catches a bullet and then tosses it back real fast like he's skipping a stone across a lake, and it looks hilarious. Um, Roland gets a girl. And then he teaches his son to do it. <laughs> that would be great if there the is a little kid too. Someday all this will be yours. But then I'm gonna destroy it together. Oh gee, dad like to be honest, that would have made the movie instantly more interesting to me is he if he was like a loving dad. He's like, look was- how many skips I can get with this bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't get that many, Dad. No, you just got to practice. I've been doing this a lot longer than One you have. One day, you'll <laughs> learn it soon. <laughs> now let's go kill Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah, I remember him from The Office that one season. And Idris Elba's like, how is that what everyone remembers me from? I was in The Wire. I was I'm... almost James Bond, but racism. <laughs> I'm enjoying so... this movie that Elliot and Hallie are starring in. <laughs> The idea that there's like a supervillain who really needs to bond with his son, so he's like, I guess let's destroy the universe together. Yeah, Elliot loves the Austin Powers movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right, they did that. Oh, never mind. Forget it. I Speaking prefer- of Scott Evil, they d- this movie does also have the crime of, uh, of having Fran- Franz in it from Dollhouse and Cabin in the Woods. And, and totally I not went to college him. with him. I don't remember what? him from the movie at all. <laughs> what? what? Yes, I went. Hallie, you waited this long. Hallie. Hallie. Wait, you went to college with somebody who was in the movie and you didn't know he was in the movie? <laughs> Absolutely not. When I know that it? I went to college with the sister of Dean Cameron from Ski That's School true. and That's Summer School, happened. and I tell everybody this. I, who was he in the movie? He's kind of he's, he's kind of the man in black. Like it's kind of like his major domo and his yeah, weird. Yeah, he's like, the guy with West the floppy House. hair, right? Who's always like, it's not working. Yeah, that was his. There was an unauthorized portal entry. That he's the guy who gives bad news. He was he's the, the one, one who fucks up, and then Matthew McConaughey's way of punishing him is burning some other lady's face. Yeah, he's it's that he's the guy. There's the guy in every one of these movies who's the the main sidekick to the bad guy, and he's the one character who can give the bad guy bad news and not get killed. Like uh, in in who's the guy? This, in Star Wars, there's one admiral that Darth Vader loves, and he's you know, and he doesn't kill him. Oh, I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, good. Okay, wait, let me buckle my seatbelt. <laughs> no, honestly, the I sort of tuned out whenever whenever it wasn't happening on Keystone Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so they're fighting. Anyway, uh, Jake uses telepathy to help Roland at his lowest moment by reciting mentally the gunslinger's creed with him. Roland's like, fancy shooting isn't going to be enough to take this guy down. I better do super fancy shooting. <laughs> And he shoots one bullet, and Matthew McConaughey goes to catch that, and then he shoots that bullet with another bullet to ricochet off of it and go past his hand into his heart. 
and because the he shot credit. so fast, he shot so he can shoot faster than bullets fly. <laughs> yeah, this was, was this was some wanted bending bullet shit. <laughs> and when Matthew McConaughey dies, he emotes exactly as much as he has the rest of the movie. <laughs> For a while, I'm like, I don't think he's dead because he's acting the exact same. <laughs> Watch out, guys. Now wait, now did did Walter slow down the bullet, or it's just he just shoots it real fast? I can't remember now. I don't, I don't know, dude. I didn't read the fucking novelization. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, and then, and then Roland's like, yeah, I'm a gunslinger, and he's just shooting everything. He shoots the restraints off of Jake's chair so he can get out. He shoots the psychic laser machine, and the whole headquarters blows up, and it's like, he's like, I'm a shooting fool. Bang, 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 bang. Save the day. Uh, Jake and Roland, they save the universe. They're going to celebrate the same way everyone does after Avengers with a street cart hot dog, because it's like... We better throw this into stark relief. We'll have the characters do like kind of an everyday street food thing. Nobody's done that in a movie, right? Um, Roland is with him in there, and uh, on Midworld, on Keystone Earth, Roland's like, so, you want to come with me back there, gunslinger? And Jake is like, well, my parents are dead, and everyone here thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> so, like, yeah, dude, I'll go back yeah. and be a He's gunslinger like, uh, with you. But we have chicken here, so I'll stay. Like... The, I, I, I mind melded with a seer and it was the closest I'm ever going to come to kissing a girl. So like, yeah, I want to go back to that world. And, and that's the end of the movie. And I kept skipping ahead through the credits to find the, the post-credit sequence about a, a sequel, but there was none. The story has been told. Capstone yeah, to yeah, Capstone. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go on to IMDb and add to crazy credits that there's a director in this movie. <laughs> oh! Oh! Boop! That's me, Duncan. <laughs> uh, so let's do our final judgments on this movie, whether it was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. Elliot, what do you have to say? This was a very boring movie, guys. I will say this for the movie. Well, uh, let's, in our classification system, bad, bad. It was, it was very boilerplate by the numbers. Uh, it did not transport me to a magical world of <laughs> craziness and whimsy and wackiness and super guns. But I was like, I've, I've always been trepidatious about starting the Dark Tower books, because they are a, very long, and there's a lot of them. And I like Stephen King a lot, but every time I'm about to start a Stephen King book, I'm like, how's this one going to turn out? <laughs> is this going to be really good, or is it going to be awful? Because he only has two settings. But you know what? <laughs> I, and I, like, and I love a lot of his books. I love Misery. I love The Long Walk, even though I know that's technically a Bachman book. You know, he has a lot of good stuff. But... Cell uh, is really good until the last chapter or so. Uh, this movie made me more curious than anything else ever to read these books because I'm like, what is it in these books that they felt was so interesting that they needed to like ruin it by doing it this way? <laughs> so I really want to read those books now. But bad, bad movie. What, what do you guys think, Allie? Allie, I would say a bad, bad, and what. I kept thinking about was, I mean, you guys watch a lot more of these like super shitty movies than I do, but I'm constantly surprised yeah, of like, right, but I was like, wow, Matthew McConaughey, Idris Elba, uh, not the other person who I thought you guys clarified was not the person I, who I thought it was. Dennis Haysburg's in this, yes. <laughs> Um, and I believe uh, I believe Jack's mom is played by a woman who was also in Geostorm, a movie we recently watched. Yeah. Woo, Geostorm! Why couldn't I, we watch that again? 
when, when you finish a movie and you're like, I wish I was watching Geostorm again. <laughs> Not a good sign for the movie. But it made me, well, at first I was like, how much do they get paid for this? Because this is such a bad movie. Like, why would you, wouldn't you, isn't there some universe in which even if you got paid a lot for it, you would just feel so humiliated to like have your name on it. Wow. And then I was like, I mean, but it's not, it's not, I, well, it's boring. I don't, I wouldn't go as far as to say it is like. Yeah, it's not like Stallone me? with the Italian Stallion or something no, like that. No, it definitely is. Like fucking or Idris Oscar. Elba was in The Wire. Like he, like he's in all this good yeah. stuff. Matthew McConaughey, like they've been in legit stuff. He's, like he's why would Nelson you? Mandela. But, but that's what, but that's Matthew what Matthew McConaughey? Like, <laughs> Wait, I thought we were talking about Idris Elba. Oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> but I was, it, it was just like, oh yeah. These are, people are actors. <laughs> they just like play, they're just like in really good movies. They're not, they're just playing roles. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it challenged my perception of the universe, but <laughs> it was a learning experience. So bad, bad, yeah. Yeah, uh, you guys already pulled back the curtain on what I was going to say, which was that, like, I don't want to make you guys feel jealous. I, I don't want to make the audience here feel bad. But the last live show we did was Geostorm, which was an amazing bad movie. <laughs> and this one was just 90 minutes of a thing that happened. And so <laughs> I say bad, bad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it feels, it feels very much like, I guess, the first season of a TV show that has been edited down for content into just, in, into like 85 minutes of movie. Um, so yeah, it's bad, bad, don't watch it, avoid. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this live show. Uh, you know what that means? It's Dan McCoy. That's me doing a solo ad read. Woo, 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 woo. Look, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not very tired. It's I'm doing this on the week of uh, <clears throat> on the week of uh, daylight savings. I've uh, had a lot of late nights. I just had a very heavy soup with a lot of rice, a lot of taro in it, just uh, just a lot of starch, and I'm struggling but for you i will bring the energy bow, 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 bow. Woo! that was the energy it's gone now hey guys the flop house is supported in part by squarespace and uh you know what it is it's a service that helps you uh do a website which this is uh the, the 90s now uh if captain marvel taught me anything and um and the internet is going to be big. So maybe you need a website. And if you want a website, you can go to Squarespace, which will help you turn your cool idea into one of those there internet sites that people can click on with the hyperlinks. You can blog or publish content. You can sell products and services of all kinds. And get this, according to the, co according to the copy I'm reading, along with those things, you can do and more and more so much more squarespace features beautiful customizable templates created by world-class designers a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions analytics that help you grow in real time 24 7 award-winning customer support hey make it stand out with a beautiful website 
from Squarespace. Check out squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So that's uh, pretty good, right? That's a pretty good deal, right? What a segue. Next thing. Hey, Jumbotrons, we all love them. Here's one. Please, listen to this. We're Alberto, Mickey, and Brandon. Three lifelong friends united through our love of movies and each other. Please join us as we goof around about the newest Hollywood blockbusters and delve into the films of the Criterion Collection, forever demystifying the notion that the love of popcorn films and classic foreign and arthouse cinema are incongruous. Please listen to our cool podcast, The Three Friends Grow... Nope. There's no grow in there. Let's try it again. Not let's let's you know let's try and give the people what they paid for. Not confuse the audience. Listen to our cool podcast, The Three Friends Go Criterion, at thethreefriends.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or the Podcatcher of your choice. Nice of them to let you choose. Hey, here's a personal message. This message is for Joe, and it is from Emily, last name withheld. Emily writes, It's rare to find someone who can appreciate a great wallpaper like Stuart, make words sound like other words like Elliot, and enjoy this wife's butt as much as any Dan could ever do. I am lucky to have you in my life and wanted to make it known in the most public way possible via podcast. P.S. I got you, baby. Wait. No, wait. Sorry. P.S. I got you a baby. Hope it fits. I had her monogrammed. No returns. Look, um, I hope this isn't the way that you're announcing that you're pregnant. If, 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 if the person that you have the baby with doesn't know, then either, I mean, like, I mean, I guess there's situations where you're not living in the same place. I don't want to, I don't want to put anything on, um, you guys. I don't know your, your deal. I don't know what your thing is. Um, but, <coughs> but if you're living in the same place, and he hasn't noticed that you're pregnant yet. Uh, you may want to look into others or uh, arrangements. I'm not saying that he's not a dud, per se. I'm just saying that he may not be the most observant person. You know, I mean, even if it's early on, the fact that you're constantly going to the... You know what? I don't know anything about pregnancy. What am I talking about? Why am I even doing this? This bit does not work. It's possibly offensive. I don't know anything about pregnancy. Like I have to admit my I have to I you know it's it's my branding. Dan McCoy is the guy who does not know about pregnancy. It's on my business cards. <sighs> Guys, look, I'm happy for you. Joe and Emily last name with hell. Congratulations on the baby. I hope I haven't ruined things by the way I read that. It's, uh, I, I blame the tarot root. It was very starchy. There's a, a few things that I should, uh, let you guys know about. Number one, we're going on tour. Yeah, if you want to hear me not do this, do it better, because there are two other people 
helping me do it, then you can come see us on tour. And 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 listen, we've got four tour dates uh, all across this great land of ours. The first one is June 8th in Portland. We're going to be at Revolution Hall. The second is July 13, Minneapolis at the Parkway. The third is September 28th, Boston. That's at City Space. And in all likelihood, we will be doing two shows in that one night at Boston. The venue seats 250. So if we sell out the first, we are going to do a second. And on October 12th in L.A., uh, we'll be at the Regent Theater again. We played the Regent Theater once more, once before in Los Angeles, but Stuart was unable to attend due to back problems. So this will be the first full team Flophouse live show in Los Angeles. And if you go to the website, the listing for this show should have links to all of these. Uh, take it links for all of these. Um, we also have a shows live shows page, and we'll see whether I've remembered to update the live shows page by the time you get this podcast. Um, I am not good at doing that, but I will do it as soon as I can, and I also remember. Hey, here's the thing. Max Fun Drive. It's coming up. It's just around the corner. Uh, and uh, next week would normally be an off week for the Flophouse podcast. You know that we do uh, a bi-monthly show or bi-weekly show. Weirdly, they could mean the same thing, depending on how you're using those words. Once every other week. That's the easiest way of saying it. But in this case, because of the Max Fun Drive, we are doing an extra show to fall smack right dab in the middle of said drive. And uh, we'll talk a lot more about how you should donate to Max Fund then. But if you cannot wait, the drive website will go live at maximumfund.org slash donate on Monday, March 18. Um, so all of that is great, I guess. I don't know. I'm just running on autopilot at this point. Um, hey, hope you're enjoying the show. Let's get back to it. All right. Okay, well, now what do we do, Dan? Looks uh, like that gun has been slung and that now, tower has uh, been done. We, we have forgotten the face of our fathers. <laughs> so, uh, hissing. That's weird. Um, so and There's a snake loose in the audience. <laughs> oh no, parcel tongue. Uh-oh. This is the part where, uh, so we like to take some questions from the audience. We're going to take as many as we can. We don't have all that much time because we, gonna, as always, went way too long. What, but. Dan, what Dan meant is we're going to take as many as we can within the time limits. Yes. He didn't mean, look, we're doing this until we drop dead. No, the next, like, 15 minutes or so. So we have a microphone see. set up over here. Please get in line. It's, uh, yeah. And as always, because we are strapped for time, because we talked a long time, please... If you could, try to boil your question down to the most relevant nub. And please, avoid any stories about how much you love the podcast. Because we know you love it. You're here. Thank you very much wow, for doing wow. that. Jesus. Very, <laughs> very, uh, saying, a lot I, of ego in that. Uh, <laughs> Elliot says no you're wedding right, proposals. Right. I'm sorry. I know you guys bought tickets to see the show because you hate us. 
It's like in The Simpsons when she was in the second best band, Lisa. <laughs> yes. And they just start booing, and she goes, why would they pay to boo us? <laughs> All right, so the people who are in line, uh, hello. You, you, yeah, that's yeah. the microphone. Okay. Yeah, hi. Um, whole name withheld. You don't even know who I am. Um, so recently I was reading some articles about the uh, 1988 remake of The Blob, you know, as you do. And a number yeah. of people who have seen this movie are laboring under the delusion that the titular blob is a metaphor for the AIDS crisis. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. It's not. It's not about that at all. So I was so wondering... So Liz, this is not a question yet. No, no, no. This hey, is this you is... talking about an article you read. No, this is... First, this is... multiple articles. Okay. Second... No, Stuart, uh, that's the hot take microphone. That's the hot take. <laughs> um, the question is, have you guys... Uh, can you guys think of any examples when uh, people have claimed that there was something deep and subtextual in a movie when there just was not? It just was not there. I mean, that's, that's kind of what the entirety of the movie Room 237 is, the uh, Shine documentary, yeah. which is an amazing movie, and it was like all these people being like, this is what The Shining's about, and you hear them talking about it, you're like, that is crazy, but... <laughs> It was like, I watched that movie and I'm like, oh, this is a movie about how people need God. They need, they need to believe in kind of like an all-powerful hand that has created a reason for things. Yeah. Because arbitrariness does not fit into their view of the universe. And it's a really good movie. But that's basically, basically the whole movie is people being like, so that's what The Shining is about. And you're watching you're like, what are you, what? What are you talking about? It's about I've... Stephen King's battle with his own alcoholism. That's, he said that's what it's about. I also kind of feel that way about the original uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers where everyone's like, oh, this is a movie about anti-communist hysteria. And it was like, well, it could easily be read, read just as, like, communist hysteria. Like, either way, I feel, works. Like, you can't really, like, say, like, oh, he was mania ironically. You don't know that. Like, I don't know. That's not very funny, but that's what I came to my mind. Hey, I don't... felt that way about the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. I was like, this is just, like, silly. <laughs> <laughs> the guy wants to be a crab. <laughs> Like, that's a Daniel Tiger type stuff. <laughs> uh, I hope that answers your question. Hi, I'm John, last name withheld. Hi, John. Hello. Hi. Um, thank you uh, to Elliot for his it's extremely John informative. It's <laughs> I wish, seriously. Um, thank you to Elliot for his extremely informative uh, presentation before the show about the differences between the New York boroughs. Uh, I was just wondering oh, if there's a uh, quintessential New York experience for each of you that you could say for someone to do if they were here, say, on vacation. Well, if you, you... If you ever want to, like, go on a kill spree to free a teen prostitute from Harvey Keitel... Always. <laughs> like, I feel like you, you can't call yourself a New Yorker until you've done that. <laughs> If you want a quintessential New York experience, I say that um, if you ever come across a subway car with nobody in it, definitely go into that car. <laughs> yeah. And just That's, and then, enjoy the scent. Because then you get the joy of, you get the joy of, you, when you go to the next car, and you will, you get the joy of at each station watching other people have the experience you just had. <laughs> I was just going to say, go to, if you go anywhere along beautiful 4th Avenue here in Brooklyn, you're going to see many high-rises going up, so there's going to be a lot of uh, construction crews, and just follow one of those construction workers when they walk away, and then open their car door, and then just pee on the ground. 
because that's that's crazy. I guess I can't see your dick, so it's cool. Hallie, do you have any advice, or should we move on? Hallie, yeah, what's what's it went for oh, like I a Midwestern girl t- transplant like I you? I thought you were. I, I didn't think you were asking for. I thought you were asking us to tell you our quintessential New York experiences. I mean, yeah, I think you can do that too if you want. Oh, okay. Well, mine was definitely when Tom Hanks proposed to me at the top of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, the top of the Eiffel Tower? Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, New York's famous Eiffel Tower. Yeah, Dan, when in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the best answer that could possibly have been given, so we should move along. Thank you very much. Thanks for the question. Next question, please. Hello, um, first name Gun, last name Slinger. Whoa. 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 Um, I just had a question about now that Elliot's moved to the West Coast and like has seen kind of the movie business over there, I was wondering... Let's, um, let's assume I've seen some movie business over there. Now that you're Let's let's not assume it's just a a locked door I'm banging against saying, let me in, let me in. Um, So would you say that, um, I guess it's kind of more for Elliot, but would you say that the East Coast or the West Coast has like more of an artsy movie scene, like kind of private viewings and indie shows and stuff like that? Actually, to be honest, it's both, it's pretty competitive. Both of them have, in LA has uh, has this reputation, especially in New York, for being like this really cultureless, classless place. But... You, like, there's all these people out there who are making things because and they want to make things. dancing to jazz and stuff? Yeah, yeah. They're all... And there's a lot of... There's a lot of people dancing to, like... There's a, there's a lot of people dancing to music that reminds you of better music. That was... But, uh... They, uh... But there's a lot of that stuff in L.A. And it's like, I am the... I'm kind of the wrong person to ask because as a parent, I don't get to go out and do that stuff very much. But I feel like New York has a fair amount and... LA has a fair amount. Like, there's both a lot of it. If you and the only difference is that in New York, like, if you walk a block, you'll stumble on someone making either a student film or a Law and Order episode. But <laughs> in LA, someone has to tell you, like, go to this place. It's really cool. So they're there, but it's a lot easier to find them in New York. Moving Thank on. You. More questions for me, please. Yeah. Hey guys, it's me, Will. Hey Will. Uh, last name Hello. Uh, glad to see all the peaches in the same basket. Um, <laughs> I, uh, That's what we call our bed, people. Chill out. <laughs> so I, I, I really been waiting for years just to play Radio Zork. Oh, sure. Yeah. Dan, can I you mean, play? Many, Time for Radio Zork, everybody. Many have tried, <laughs> few have succeeded. <laughs> so what do you do? Uh, if I remember, uh, I think last time we listened to a door. Uh-huh. So uh, yes. I really just want to get through that door. So... Uh, is Elliot is get through a door a valid command? You walk into the door. <laughs> Do I get through? Ow, it? you say, clutching your nose. <laughs> the door remains closed. We'll find out what happens next time on <laughs> the next episode of Radio Zork. Thanks for playing the game. I know, right? Yeah. Stuart, quit showing off your shorts. <laughs> Guys, I bought some shorts. Short shorts on, and he's putting his leg up on it. All right. Okay, so introduce yourself. All right. K-Cell. Yep. Former co-worker of... Of me, yeah. (laughs) Why is everyone being fucking weird tonight? Congrats on on the Emmy. I love you. (laughs) Fernando says hi. Okay, thank you. Here's the question. 
I'm a man of tradition, so I'll keep it the same. Sure, yeah. If you had to human centipede. Oh, this old chestnut, huh? Does it change? Of course. Okay. If you had to human centipede the Justice League. Okay. In what order would it be? Wait, now, do we have to be mem- do we have to be involved in the human centipede, or do we just have to make them into a yeah, human centipede? I think we just. Have I to mean, ha- if you want to be involved, I guess. No. I, I feel I like wasn't I, that just, I guess I can opt out. I no, don't know. No, yeah, let me just say this, guys. You want to opt out of this human centipede because at some point, Superman's shit is going to come flying <laughs> at the speed of like a bullet. Right. You don't want to be in the path of that. So put him at the back is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm saying Superman goes at the back and then put Martian Manhunter behind him. I hate that guy. Oh, wow. He's like, I'm Superman, but I'm green. He's like, oh, I'm weak because of fire. Everyone is, dude. That's not special. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do this to anyone. <laughs> Why do I have to be playing God with a human centipede? Dan, you asked yeah, so for this goes, responsibility goes... when you started a podcast. <laughs> It goes uh, Martian Manhunter in the back, then Superman, then Dan McCoy, and then Aquaman. I think we all <laughs> yeah. covered it. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Love you, too. Yes. What's up? Uh, Martin, last name with help. Um, so when I was like first getting into movies and I would be around people who knew about movies, I would probably pretend sometimes like I knew more about than I actually did so I didn't look like an idiot. That's called being a man. Yep. Um... <laughs> And as I've gotten older, I've sort I do of like it all the time. grown out of it. But so I get, my question is, uh, when have you lied about having seen a movie and why? Oh. <laughs> I know question. it's happened. I just can't think oh, of it. Oh, like... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, I think it happened a long time ago is the thing. Like, I, now I'm an adult and I'm just like, I haven't fucking seen that movie. One of the fucking, like... But when I was a kid, like, I thought, like, it was important to... Yeah, you think people will think less of you. Exactly. If you haven't seen, I don't know, whatever. Like, it's like, uh, I'm trying to think what movie... There were so many movies I faked having seen when I was younger. No way, I saw that. I lied about seeing Wake and Fright for a while, and then I admitted I've never seen it. I want to. Oh, it's a good movie. I just haven't gotten around to it. I know it's good. That's why I lied about it. (laughs) I often lie... I don't lie so much about having seen things, but I lie about having heard of things. Um, people will be like, the trailer for such and such dropped. I'm like, oh, yeah, how's it look? And the implication is, oh, I'm aware of that. <laughs> but really, uh, like recently, people have been like, oh, Hereditary's coming out. Excited? And I'm like, of course I am. And I'm like, then I'm like, Google, Hereditary. <laughs> do, you, do you work in the TMZ office now? <laughs> Hallie, I assume that this idea is almost completely foreign to you. No, I think I've probably done that tonight. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, but I you, just know you've you never guys, seen Roxanne. I, no, I've seen Roxanne. But I also know that you guys are doing it way more than you admit. You're like, oh yeah, when I was younger, I'm like, Elliot, come on. You do that all the time. I, I say, I only pretend I know things. I don't pretend I've seen things. Because I've oh. seen things, Hallie. <laughs> Terrible <laughs> things. <laughs> all right, moving on. Hey, Joe, last name withheld. Uh, a few months ago, I was on a flight, and I watched the entirety of Suicide Squad over somebody's shoulder, completely on mute. Did not think to put it on the screen myself. What's the last movie you remember watching over someone's shoulder on a plane? I watched the vast majority of Valerian over someone's shoulder. 
And I think that's, having seen it not over someone's shoulder, I think that's the better way to watch it. I also really enjoyed seeing people watching Dunkirk on a plane. <laughs> and Gravity, that was another great one. The only, the only time I've ever seen any of Avatar was the guy next to me was watching it on a plane. And I was like, I've never seen that movie, but I know that's not the way to watch that movie. <laughs> And it uh, just made me think that James Cameron was somewhere going like, ah, why? Like, why do I hurt all of a sudden? <laughs> I'd, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Dan McCoy. <laughs> I watch movies on planes all the time. <laughs> I don't watch over people's shoulders. <laughs> Hallie, do you have anything, or should we move on? No, I, I don't. I... I don't know. I watched Nacho Libre once, twice in a row on a plane. Because <laughs> the first time I was Were you worried you missed stuff? <laughs> so that, that, that increases the worldwide total of people watching Nacho Libre to four. It was so funny the first time. I was like, I'm ready to go again. <laughs> Let me back on that roller coaster. <laughs> you weren't like, well, time for me. Now that I know the ending, time for me to decode that puzzle. <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh, Josh, last name withheld. Uh, so about an hour and a half ago, my phone was like, hey, you're supposed to be at the Bell House in 10 minutes to see the Flop House. I was like, oh, shit, that's tonight. And I got in a cab and I got here. Uh, so a, do you have a... A stirring tale of survival. Yes. <laughs> and triumph over the odds for your consideration. And uh, <laughs> my nervousness is masking my enthusiasm for making it. But is there something... Have you had a near miss recently or a memorable one in your life? Uh, you I guys were, miss, is that what you I feel me? like I heard that those stories from Dan and Stuart literally right before the show. Yeah. How so? Well, well yesterday, yesterday, my yesterday, my wife and I went to the Bronx Zoo, which is amazing. It's great. We it took us forever to get there, and we only had an hour, but I did still see some fucking giraffes. <laughs> so we rushed all the way back to Brooklyn, and traffic was terrible. And we're like, we have tickets to go see an early screening of Ocean's Eight at the Draft House. I'd even bought my. I'm very excited. I even bought my wife the. Uh, the commemorative pint glass to put on my collection of other Mondo Star Wars pint glasses. <laughs> like, we're gonna do it up. It's Wednesday, baby. And we, uh, and we ended up, you know, parking, and we went down and had some food, and we got all the way up to the draft house, and I'm like, um, I believe you owe me one glass, please. And he's like, for what, Solo? And I'm like, no, for Ocean's 8. And he's like, oh, you're pretty early, right? Uh, and it turns out that the ticket I had bought was for a screening in Yonkers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and Yonkers isn't even that far from the fucking Bronx Zoo. <laughs> you could have ridden a giraffe over there. Elliot, I have no idea what you're implying that I almost missed. You I, were I, telling I, the story about showing up on the wrong day for a movie that you Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I, I likewise... <laughs> I likewise... Went to the Alamo Draft House on the wrong Monday. They were having a Frank Henenlotter retrospective. The guy who did Basket Case and Frank and Hooker and Brain Damage. I was going to go see the movie Bad Biology about a woman with seven clits who meets a, a man with a giant sentient penis and they have a romance. Uh, you know, Shakespeare's told it best. Um, and I, was, I showed up on the wrong Monday, and I was like, fuck, all right. 
I've spent my whole night on this. Like, <laughs> it's 9.30. What else are they oh, showing man. here? And, like, what they were showing was there was a video vortex of Secret Agent 00 Soul starring Billy D. Williams, directed by Billy D. Williams' stunt double on Return of the Jedi. And so I went to see that, and, you know, bad dramas are fun. <laughs> and bad comedies are, like, punching yourself in the eye. <laughs> and so I decided, like, 15 minutes into the movie, like, well, this is going to be a nice nap that I'm going to take for the next <laughs> 90 minutes, and that's what I did. So that, that's my story. But uh, I think... I think we may actually, if we do it fast, we may actually have time enough to get through the entire line, so let's do it fast. This is quick. Uh, Nick, last name withheld. Hey, Nick. My only question is, did any of you notice that Matthew McConaughey only used the word magic in plural through all of the Dark Tower? It was only oh, magics. magics. Yes. And do you have any thoughts on it? The very wickety way of saying it. Oh, you mean like wickety wickety whack? Like yeah. That? You know, I didn't notice that. Uh, I mean, he gives such a sleepy performance. I just wasn't paying that much attention. He's a very charismatic actor, and I know that when you have a McConaughey, you're going to stick him in as many scenes as possible, especially because Roland's not the most exciting hero. But man, it was boring. Wow, I didn't have as, as scathing a, a review of his performance. I was like, he's trying something new. And he's <laughs> sure. very he's handsome. It's like... For too long, Matthew McConaughey has leaned on the crutch of his charisma and his performances. Finally, he's experimenting with no charisma. <laughs> I liked it. Yes, sir. Uh, so, the, so the first thing I just wanted to say was, I, I don't think I've ever laughed as hard as, I think it was the Ouija episode where Hallie tried to explain that Dan was a ghost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and that was probably the hardest I've ever laughed at an episode of the Flophouse. But um, the other thing is... In this movie, uh, Dennis Haysbert and Jackie Earl Haley kind of play characters that basically an extra could have played. Mm -hmm. So, so I wanted to know uh, what what is the what is the role in any terrible movie that you think uh, a kind of good actor was kind of wasted on? But don't you want to know how much they got paid? <laughs> that was my question. It's crazy. I mean, I'm, Why I'm, are they doing I'm that? sure Dennis Haysbert was paid well, very handsomely. That's what I'm saying. We already addressed it in the podcast, but I we watched uh, what was it, the layover? Yeah. And it was just baffling the fact that they put Cal Penn in a role where they gave him no jokes. Cal Penn and Molly Shannon. Yeah, they were just like, hey, we've got funny actors, so I guess we can give them this drama script that we wrote. It's like and uh, William H. Macy has some kind of blackmail material against both of them. I don't know. Mm -hmm. He's a Pied Piper character. He's just... Sure. No, <laughs> he goes wait. In, goes into guys, town, steals all the children. Yeah, good. Have you seen... This was the most fucked up, crazy example I ever saw of this. Did you guys ever see that movie when I, I, Tony Collette was like um, a rock journalism report? She was like a rock journalist, and she had dated some big music star who okay. had disappeared. Do you guys... Was that... And it was fucking uh, yeah. Johnny Depp Velvet who had no lines. lines. Were yelling, by the way. This character had disappeared. So it was basically like she had dated this guy 
who was this huge rock star and had disappeared, and it was the 20th anniversary of his disappearance, and the whole movie is about her trying to find him, and she, like, goes to his, like, she finds him, and it's Johnny Depp in the last, like, two seconds. Am I wrong? <laughs> I am? <laughs> What is it then? No, but I want to see this movie. I'm really curious no, I about it. No, I always remember it was, it was, everything it wrong. It was Jackie Dapp. Does it? No. Does it square with the velvet gold mine I saw? But because in, Jackie my, in my memory, I'm always wrong about this kind of stuff, so I'm totally willing to admit that. But like, <laughs> but it was literally like he came out and like stood next to a picket fence, and she, she was like, Hey, and he was like, hey, and then he disappeared from the movie. How am I wrong? I seriously want to know. Wait, you know. <laughs> Hal is giving the microphone to an audience member. This is like this is like Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the How Dark am I video. Well, as Christian Bale was the journalist. Tony Collette was in it. You were right about that. She was the wife of the singer, who was Jonathan Reese Myers. And Ewan McGregor was in it. I said, you got the part about Tony Collette right. But it was. <laughs> I don't think we can untangle this fucking knot right now. I feel now. like. I feel like I'm. <laughs> you're definitely. You're this is definitely like fucking Rashomon now. <laughs> it feels like. It feels like I'm watching Hallie in front of an audience learn that the Tooth Fairy was her parents the whole time. No. I, I want to get to the bottom of this, but this might not be the time. Right into who was in Velvet Goldmine care of Hallie Haglund okay. at the Tension of the Flophouse. One, two, three, fake street. Hallie's squinting very, very dubiously. No, because they were like, you dated him. You're the one to write this story. All yeah, right. All right, this, we'll figure it out. Look, I had okay. to answer for that question, but I can't top Hallie's journey of self-discovery. <laughs> All right, we, so we've got to get to these last totally couple questions. I'm totally open to believing I'm wrong about this. All right, we've got to get to these last questions. I can't follow that, but my question was, do you think the gunslinger could beat Omar Little and Brother Muzone in a gunfight? Oh, boy. No. Oh, no, I mean, question. Omar, spoiler alert, was killed by a child. <laughs> Wait, what? wait, hold on, so, hold on, hold on, Dan. Dan! Hold on, Dan. What is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Number one, that just shows how amazing his game was because it took the innocence of a child, the only type of person who can figure out that that planet in Star Wars was erased from the galactic yeah. library system. And a child, the only, the only person who can bring down the Dark Tower is a mind of a child, I yeah, guess. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. I would say Omar all the way, even though, yes, he does announce that he's coming very clearly. <laughs> and he uses a very unwieldy weapon that needs to be reloaded very frequently. And he's based on a character that doesn't exist in real life. Unlike the gunslinger. <laughs> well, no, I mean, in the world of The Wire, they're like, it's going to be this super real look at the world of, gun, uh, world of drugs. But we're also going to throw a Boba Fett in there. Because <laughs> every story needs a Boba Fett. <laughs> Okay, last question of the night. Hey, guys, how are you? Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, lady and gentlemen. <laughs> this is my third, this is my third, well, this is my third live show, which is amazing. Um, uh, and I want to talk to you guys more about maybe sure. what you were talking to tonight. <laughs> Now's the time. I want to talk to you more about what you are talking about Just tonight. Just so you guys at and home maybe, know, he has a toothpick in his mouth right now. <laughs> it's out. I don't have it anymore. 
I want to talk to you about you what you guys were talking about tonight and other topics, but uh, is there anywhere? Are you guys going to have a beer somewhere? I maybe think I know after where this, this, maybe I know where you're going to go somewhere after going. this? Uh, yeah, at, well, immediately after the show, we're going to be outside uh, signing stuff, I guess, if you want that. Yeah. And if then anyone gonna... wants that for some reason, that will happen. <laughs> and then we're going to all end, well, not all of us. I'm going to end up at... You can yeah. side dance tits. <laughs> I would say at least, at least one half of us will probably end up at Hinterlands Bar. Hinterlands Bar in Kensington, Brooklyn. I know it's a school night, but if people want to come out, that's where it'll be. Okay, Dan, big energy finale. <laughs> wait, it's wait I'm, on... hearing, I'm hearing what's the address from someone who sounds suspiciously like a co-owner of that bar. <laughs> it's 739 Church Avenue. Just punch that into your app. 739 Church Avenue. All right, but thank you so much for coming. <laughs> Thank you for uh, sitting through all of this. It's or gone longer standing, than it usually man. does. Uh, but thank you to Hallie for being here. Uh, it's so great to be back doing a show in New York. Yeah. And thank you to everyone at the Bell House. Thank you to everyone at the Bell House. They're the best. Yeah. For the Flop House... I've been Dan McCoy. For the Flophouse, I've been Stuart Wellington. For the Flophouse, Elliot Kalin, that's me. For the Flophouse, Hallie Hagley. Bye! making real progress is what I'm saying. I've been waiting so long to hear you say that, Elliot. <laughs> On this episode of the show, we discuss... Eh, that's not how we do it, right? <laughs> I call it a podcast, right? That's what I do. <laughs> you know what, guys? I think uh, too much unearned praise has made Dan uh, <laughs> foolishly overconfident. I retract what I said. <laughs> All right. Never in my years have I seen someone backslide so quickly. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.